0: remember to be good and if you can't be good be careful
1: so much to talk about this week yeah yeah snl has been really good lately in my opinion the past three to four weeks have been on point the new cast members are great Yeah. Even the
0: digital shorts crew, the Please Don't Destroy Boys, are killing it every week. Really good.
1: I hope they continue to do that. I'd highly recommend anyone out there go look up some of the videos. We also had Disney Plus Day. (gasps) It's
0: basically a national holiday at this point, considering the scope and scale of Disney Enterprises.
1: Yeah, Disney Plus decided to announce a bunch of stuff on this day that is considered Disney Plus Day. They announced a bunch of new TV, family-friendly movies and series coming out. A lot of which are Marvel content, and I'm really excited about a few of those. Not all of them, just a few. We got a first look at Oscar Isaac as Moon Knight. Moon Knight! That was pretty sweet.
0: Not to be confused with Moonfall, which is the Emmerich that's disaster movie
1: coming out in a couple yep, of months. That's true. That's true. And then we got a sneak peek at She-Hulk and uh miss marvel and i'm most excited about to be honest out of everything the re-envisioning of the animated x-men uh 1997 series yeah that was a big deal it's gonna have all of the same or most of the same original voice cast back along with new stories picking up where they left off i am wow muy excited it's like they never stopped thank god Thank God someone made a smart decision for once. Even if it's bad, I'm going to enjoy it. And they also put out like a bunch of stuff that day that they haven't put out on Disney Plus yet. So one of them was Shang-Chi that's on Disney Plus now, Uh, Jungle Cruise, which I watched for the first time. I'll need your review. Jungle Cruise was... A movie? (laughs) Fine. Yeah, it was fine. Of all the
0: movies I've seen this year, it is the most recent.
1: (laughs) Out of all the movies I've seen this year, it is one of them. It had actors. Actors? Yeah, multiple. How was Jesse Plemons? Amazing. He was the best part of the movie, for sure. I mean, apart from Emily Blunt, who I think is not just aging gracefully, but aging backwards. I think she becomes more beautiful every time I see her. Yeah. But the weird part about it was this (laughs) really strange romance between Emily Blunt and The Rock. Tell me it isn't so. (laughs) It was so (laughs) weird. It was so strange. Wow. Dr. Strange.
0: It's not even something I really want to think about. The Rock isn't someone I can see with another human being. <laughs> I
1: know. It was so weird. Maybe with another The whole rock. time I was like, but why Emily Blunt? Or, or but why The Rock? Why Dwayne Johnson? Uh, Dwayne. <laughs> the Walk. <laughs> the Walk. Spoilers for Jungle Cruise. So if you haven't seen Jungle Cruise or you don't care, here comes some spoilers. The Rock has a... a here's some fast facts haven't done that in a while fast facts from facts. from jungle cruise ffs for all you newbies out there nice the rocks character has a pet uh leopard is it leopard or cheetah what's one in the jungle leopard i don't
0: know <laughs> jaguar it might be a jaguar my jungle book is rusty no jungle cruise oh <laughs> Well, Jungle Book has the animals. It's a jaguar. It's a jaguar. (laughs) Jaguar. I was right.
1: Jaguar. Okay, I'm going to Google later what the difference between a jaguar and a leopard are. Anyway, jungle leopard, jaguar. It's a large cat. These are not fast facts. (laughs) (laughs) These are slow facts. (laughs) These are slow facts. Or just called facts at that point. Dwayne Johnson's character named... Let me see if I can remember his character's name. Antonio? Anthony? No? Frank? Frank? his name's frank <laughs> great lead-in for his name's francisco he's 400 he's 400 years old what yeah stop <laughs> I swear. which okay here's my next fast fact it essentially follows the exact same plot as surprise surprise pirates the other successful disney ip franchise yes right as pirates one nice essentially there's this curse that the villains have to break and there are people chasing the gold or the thing the whole time and then the lead characters turns out to be one of them barbosa yeah or no jack right because he steals a piece of the gold in the end and he becomes one of them for a sec
0: oh that's right
1: yeah anyway same plot same story we're doing it with jungle cruise now i actually found it was really like interesting at times i fell asleep the first time watching it i had to press play again (laughs) anyway that was jungle cruise uh, Shang-Chi started watching that again. That's fun. Love that movie. And then they're they they're, they're going to put out a bunch of other things. The one thing that Disney Plus did not do for you Star Wars fans was put out Star Wars content or, or announce really much of Star Wars at all. The day before, we got an Obi-Wan Kenobi series featurette that leaked. Anyway, that was Disney Plus Day. Yay. Uh, <laughs> what else happened? Oh, Taylor Swift put out a short film. A whole online
0: album and then the short film is part of it right
1: yeah it's true so she put out to basically get rights back to her own music she re-recorded every song off of her hit album red which came out some time ago it's
0: about 10 years ago is it yeah because it was it wasn't the track about jake Chillenhall off that album and that would have been 10 years ago which is what the video. 2012
1: was you're right you're right nine years ago nice you don't know uh, your
0: swift lore <laughs> folklore <laughs> Folklore, I like that. That's cute because that's one
1: of her album names.
0: She's very prolific. Uh, it's sad to see the uh, the music industry is really. It's really something.
1: Yeah, Taylor Swift is. I mean, I I really did like everything up to nineteen eighty nine. And then she's sort of, so the past, like, four albums have sort of not been hits for me, more misses. But I was listening to the Red, Taylor Swift's version or whatever, Taylor's version. Oh, yeah. And it's super good. I love everything that she did. I'm going to be listening to Red a little bit. Wow. In in the
0: upcoming days. Yeah. That makes one of us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. And she did some new songs that were written around that time that she put on as, like, an extended version of the album using artists that have become more popular, one of them being Phoebe Bridgers, Mm -hmm. which we covered on our Phoebe Bridgers podcast for her album, Punisher. So then Taylor Swift created a 10-minute version of one of the most popular songs on the album Red. It's called All Too Well, and it supposedly recounts her time, I'm assuming being in love with Jake Gyllenhaal? Or at least in relationship with Jakey Jake. Well, if you're making a short film about a small love stint that you had 10 years ago you might have probably probably been in love with that person because you still care a lot anyway so she put out a short film directed all in 35 millimeter i think she said and it actually wasn't bad it starred uh the girl sadie something or other from stranger things the redhead girl and the uh dude from the maze runner dude o'brien yeah dylan o'brien dude o'brien <laughs> uh but i i actually thought it was very competently made the cinematography was beautiful. It's just a long music video. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's 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 cool. I dug it. Yeah. Then we went out to see, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Again, I feel like it's October all over again. And there's just more coming, especially with all the television series that are happening. I mean, like Succession's in play and Full Swing. We're in Succession mode right now. Yeah. Are uh, you
0: in season three yet?
1: Yeah. You've started it? Okay. I'm in season one. But then we got, we have a lot of other stuff coming out. Dexter, the new season of Dexter is happening. Friggin' Arcane is happening right now, which is a Netflix animated series based off of a video game called League of Legends that one of us really likes. It's you. One, two, three, not (laughs) it. What else is out right now? Oh, and then Cowboy Bebop's coming out this weekend. I'm still going to watch it. It's really hard not to because the anime is super good. But yeah, lots of stuff. So in the midst of all this and then a bunch of, there's like three or four really good movies coming out just this weekend. This coming weekend. Yeah. There's like two a week almost that are deserving of
0: attention. I've yet to see Spencer, which I think came out last weekend.
1: Yeah. So we went to see a little film by the one Kenneth Branagh. The one and only. Um, my great love, Kenneth Branagh. He's a handsome man. I love him, full of heart. Gilderoy Lockhart from the Harry Potter films.
0: Oh yeah, I forgot
1: about that. He is amazing. He was he only in one movie. Yeah, as the. But Gilderoy Lockhart became one of my favorite characters in Harry Potter because of that portrayal. Did I he, love. Did he die? In, no, did he die in the lore? In the, in the movie? No, he gets sent to a mental institution. Wow. Gilderoy Lockhart comes back in book five when they go visit Neville's parents. which you also don't see in the movies but interesting yeah because he at the end of Chamber of Secrets they stupefy him and erase his memory so he essentially goes crazy anyway Kenneth Branagh's amazing he also directed Thor 1 which isn't a bad film no matter what people say I really enjoyed it I thought it was a lot of fun It introduced the character of Thor had Kat Dennings Natalie Portman Chris Hemsworth all the characters that we know and love today that are coming back these days for Marvel content but Kenneth Branagh directed this movie about his hometown and country of Ireland called Belfast.
0: Belfast.
1: And from this point of the podcast on, Gabe is going to speak only in an Irish accent. All right, not exclusively. But it's, but it will pop up. If it's what the people want. I think it is. I think...
0: it is what the people want. <laughs> and, I can do
1: it if you want. And here we go. <laughs>
0: You're going to have a fun time cutting this one up, lad. Oh, my
1: God.
0: <laughs> oh, we're not going to do that. I'm <laughs> just
1: kidding. No, it's happening.
0: But really, we're doing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Talking about Belfast. My home. Kenneth's home. Oh, Also, we're doing a, a little bit of a more deep dive uh, analysis episode today because I, personally, I don't know if Gabe feels the same way, but I think it has a chance at being nominated for an Academy Award. Not sure which one. Maybe not best picture. might be best picture. It could be like a whole green book situation with this movie. I could don't know. It could be a black and white horse, not a dark horse. Ooh. Think about it.
0: I, I, I agree, though. I, I think like where
1: your puns are at, my friend.
0: The smart money is on some degree of awards recognition. Might not win. Because in my head, the only one that it could win, except for maybe acting, is original screenplay. But I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson is going to
1: just run away with that for a licorice pizza. Yeah. I also think, I feel like he could be nominated for a director because it was amazingly directed. Yeah. This is a, a heartwarming, wholesome, life-affirming movie. Yeah. It has that... There's a maturity
0: and a level of in thematic intensity, I guess, is what the, the back, writing g- yeah. board would say.
1: The backdrop of which the events of the film take place are very looming. And what is that backdrop, Stephen? You want to give us a brief history lesson? No, we will... Do it later. Okay. Why don't we talk about who Kenneth Branagh is a little bit more, and maybe the budget of the film. Yeah. And we could talk about the actors.
0: Well, Kenneth Branagh is a prolific Branagh. Branagh. Well, Kenneth Branagh. A Kenneth Branagh. I I'm going to say Kenneth from here on out. Kenneth. Ken. Ken. Can I call you Ken? Kenny. Kenneth Branagh is a prolific. Writer, director, actor, stage mm-hmm. performer. He's done plenty of Shakespeare and other theater productions over the years. Shakespeare. Going back to 89, he had that iconic performance as Henry V in Henry V. I think that might have been the first time I saw him. He was in numerous YouTube compilations as giving that speech that Henry
1: V gives in that movie. He, <laughs> he was born in 1960.
0: Yeah, in Belfast of all places. <gasps>
1: Shocker. Title drop. Was this movie... Perchance, um, based off of his own experience in Belfast? I think it might have been. I think Kenneth channeled his youth and experiences growing up in Belfast into this story. Similarly, the way the character Buddy does (laughs) in this movie of Belfast.
0: It actually, it didn't even really click for me until halfway through that it was like a hardcore analog for kenneth because buddy spends a lot of time in the cinema in this movie and then it, i realized like oh this is not only like about his childhood but it's like where he begins his love for movies
1: yeah who are the actors what, what was the kid's name i'm glad you asked Stephen. his yeah. name was jude hill jude hill and he lovely young boy this is his breakout performance yeah he's going places he for was sure. incredible really the heart and soul of the film yeah he's amazing Truly.
0: The cast is rounded out with Jamie Dornan.
1: Jamie Dornan as his father. A very attractive insert. Yeah. Very attractive Previously known here. as
0: Mr. Gray from Fifty Shades of It. Ooh. Also, his mother was... Spicy. Kitriona Balf. And between her and Jamie Dornan... Of... You have possibly the most attractive people... Yeah. <laughs> ...in Ireland. Of Outlander fame. Yeah. Outlander. She was also in Ford v. Ferrari as Christian Bale's wife
1: oh yeah that's right
0: the grandparents i think his paternal grandparents are played by sirian Hines and judy dench who were incredible as well dame dame judy dench judy dench and the brother was lewis mccaskey as
1: will that was his brother yeah in the movie yeah
0: what that was his uncle that was buddy's uncle no it's i it's buddy's brother
1: oh your buddy's brother i thought you meant the bad guy was the with the father's brother. No, that would have been crazy. And I, it, A whole other yeah, dimension. Yeah, I know. I know. We like, missed.
0: what? Am I an idiot? No, it's fine. Because the brother of Buddy didn't really get a whole lot to do in this movie. But that's fine. You know, it's Buddy's story. Because
1: that's Kenneth. Kenneth Buddy. I wonder, if, I wonder if Kenneth has a brother. He might. He probably does. So a quick Google search away. <laughs> he has two siblings. One of them is a boy. The other is a girl. Wow.
0: Yeah. Buddy did have a... An older female friend in this movie that was kind of like a sister, I guess. Maybe that was referential.
1: And deceiver.
0: Yeah, she led him down a dark path. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tried anyway. Oh, Kenneth Brana's birth is coming up, by oh. the way, uh, in a couple of weeks. December 10th. Happy birthday, Kenneth Brana.: Yeah.
0: In case Kenneth doesn't hear this,
1: we wish, we wish him well. <laughs> and, and a happy Christmas to you. That's our cast.
0: A small, but quality
1: not our podcast, but the cast of the film.
0: <laughs> That's the our <indoor> cast. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't for the life of me find the budget for this, but it seemed like it was a pretty small movie. Do we want to shout out the crew members at all or no?
1: Yeah. Let's talk about the cinematographer because the cinematography was great in this film. A lot of wide angle lenses, uh, close up on the characters. So you have the characters in focus and you really get the scope and scale of the background of, uh the environment that they're in, really beautiful, especially in black and white.
0: The cinematographer was Harris Zembarlucos. Zembarlucos. I've heard it both ways. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Me too, because you just <laughs> <laughs> said
0: both ways. we're always on the ball with these names. Incredible. But yeah, I would agree. The framing in this <laughs> film is some of the most iconic that I've seen in terms of like the simplicity of it, the naturalistic style of it because it was a, it seemed like a small budget. So it wasn't really done up in the way that a Wes Anderson movie was. But that's what it reminded me of a lot of the time, because the framing for most of the shots, first of all, the camera was rarely moving. And when it, when it was sitting there, it was either head on, like a Wes Anderson thing, or it was set up at like a 45 degree angle and, and split up into a really visually pleasing, like thirds or, or twos style. It, It looked like any many of those frames could have been a photograph and it would have been able to tell a really wonderful story. So they put a lot of love into the shooting of this movie. Yeah. Which is why I really enjoyed watching it. Not just for the performances but
1: for Ooh, it could be nom for cinematography. Could be. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But uh There's a, there is a lot of competition this year.
0: Mhm. Yeah. But that was I mean, not even to mention that it was again all shot in black and white, except for some color. There were there are a couple instances in this film, not just the intro, showing modern Belfast, but in the cinema, which was a really interesting way to use color. There were both the screen and the reflection in one scene in Judy, in Dame Judy Dench's glasses. There was color used for the cinema, which really shows how much that meant to Buddy in bringing that world to life and inspiring him. So that was cool.
1: That was cool. Visually arresting. Had a nice soundtrack as well, the film. Yeah, it did. I saw Van Morrison comprised most of the soundtrack that they played. Like every song or every other song was a Van Morrison song.
0: He is the soundtrack. But honestly, I couldn't really even tell you, even having just seen the film, what the score sounded
1: like. There wasn't much of a score. There were, there was a lot of soundtrack songs. Mm -hmm. And then there was that one kind of ethereal, sort of jazzy, soft jazz piece of music that played over and over again. I, I really thought it was interesting, but yeah, it has like a saxophone or something. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's Kenneth Brana, that's the cast, and that's some of the, the people, the crew that worked on this. But like we said, this movie's based off of Kenneth Brana's own personal remembrance of being in Belfast at this time is it was in 1969 after the moon landing that this took place and that the Troubles historically broke out in Ireland, which uh, had to do with a, a very politically complicated, politically charged tier social class system. It's completely f- yeah, <laughs> basically, Irish nationalists and British loyalists decided to hate each other, especially from the occupancy I think left over from World War II, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Is that religious divide that sectarianism? When we were looking at stuff afterwards, is that due to the British imperialist clusterfuck that was Ireland yeah, in that time? I think so. Because you had because the main conflict of the movie for the setting for the backdrop—that's the word—is Catholic versus Protestant. It's less of a conflict and more of a slaughter because like, or at least with the perspective of this film, but is that like due to the, the British?
1: I mean, it's really interesting. It's like, I mean, you had Northern Ireland, which is where Belfast was, and you had a lot of Irish Catholics and Republicans and Irish nationalists because of that. And they wanted to stay Ireland and be, you know, solely Ireland and not be part of the UK. And you had them wanting to form what they were calling at the time a United Ireland. And because of that, you had people campaigning to essentially end discrimination against their minority that they felt that they were and then the government stepping in to sort of suppress the protesting and so the police were widely known as Protestant or being accused of sectarianism like you said so this tension increased and then the british troops got involved and then these these some walls were built amidst communities as you saw in this film that were essentially to divide the communities from their differing opinions And, you know, like as all political matters play out, you know, it just gets a lot messier because then you add race and ethnic dimensions into play. And then it just kind of begins to escalate from there because you have people saying that they're fighting for one thing when they're really just prejudiced against a a certain people group.
0: Well, North Ireland is still part of the UK. So that's sort of like what the British retained, I suppose, whereas the rest of the country, which is the much larger part, is it, just the Republic of Ireland. That's yeah. the sovereign nation.
1: There it is. So, but the the difficult thing is to explain, it wasn't actually Protestants versus Catholics. There was a lot of other groups, sects, if you will. At, sects. At play. Sects. And it wasn't, it wasn't that simple to just reduce it down to just Protestants versus Catholics. It makes sense to, for the sake of telling a story like this, but it's really, like I said, it, the political systems at play in Ireland at that time, much like today in America, everyone has sort of a very unique opinion or is trying to get people maybe in their own communities behind or s- to support their ideas or their beliefs or their idealism so they can grow their brand. Yeah. Grow their brand or create some sort of movement. And in Ireland at that time, this just happened to be that like these movements were damaging homes, looting, killing people and so forth. And you know, they called it the troubles, which again is like a, I feel like an, an oversimplification of naming what was actually transpiring. And as we see in this film, it's very interesting because that is the backdrop to what's happening. The troubles begin in the film. When the movie starts, it, you know, paints this very romanticized idyllic yeah, idyllic version of people. Everyone's out in the street. Kids are running around playing. They can go anywhere, do anything. There's no trouble anywhere. And then This mob of people come by and start torching everything, breaking windows and blowing up cars and so forth. And people that lived through it at the time, they were saying that like, you know, apart from them still going to school and coming home and having normal lives, it would just sort of be that like maybe Friday afternoon, their car bomb would happen and you'd have to sort of deal with it or circumvent it in a way to navigate that part of your life. But it also drove, as we saw in this film, it drove many families out of Belfast, out of uh, different places in Ireland, as this was transpiring. And so Kenneth Branagh, I'm assuming, found himself amidst the troubles. And this sort of, even through black and white, rose-colored glasses, we still got a very cute, quaint, wholesome story amidst The looming impending doom that awaits everyone around every corner. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So this movie is very interesting. So it follows this young boy and his family as unemployment Northern Ireland is at an all time low. His dad is having to travel to England every week to just have a job so that they can remain in Belfast and. Both him and his wife grew up in Belfast. They don't want to leave. They want to raise their children there. But, you know, things turn worse for the wear, and they have to make a decision to either stay or leave in Belfast amidst the ongoing hardship and potential of their kids not to be safe anymore. And we follow mainly this story through Buddy's eyes as, you know, this young, I don't know, 8 to 10-year-old fellow. Lad. Lad is... uh navigating the relationships in the city of Belfast. He's got a young crush at school. He loves going to the cinema. He loves football. You know, just a normal boy in the 60s, late 60s. It seems like Kenneth Branagh really threw a lot of his own sort of personal nostalgia and touch into the making of the movie. His own personal remembrances and memories into the making of the film. That's the movie.
0: And then they decide to leave in the end. They have to leave, yeah. Some of their ties are cut, like the grandfather passes away, and there's some climactic violence that pushes them over the edge because the mother is the one who really doesn't want to leave. So, yeah, they they finally do what's best for the family and head across the pond to England, which is a bittersweet resolution. Yeah, but it is interesting because it is uh, wholesome and heartwarming, but it is also very critical of the time. And I don't think, even though he doesn't show, you know, gore, Kenneth Branagh's, like I said at the beginning... He shows you how intense this time period and location are, and how even in like the the one neighborhood there are—it's uh,
1: basically a civil war. It's pretty intense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of another movie because th- these movies pop up every now and then. It's like it's like a rehash on a very dramatic time in history where. There was impending violence looming over the whole backdrop of the film, but the film is told through like a very childlike or cutesy way. Just two years ago, we had uh, Jojo Rabbit. That's one. That to me is almost satire. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of one that's more like...
0: But there were moments in that film that were very similar to this, where where Taika Waititi puts down his his funny bone for a second and actually like hits you with the, the heavy beats. Yeah. Like and that was Scarlett like, Johansson. yeah, Spoilers. that was wild, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a, a reference I kept thinking about just due to the nature of like the child actor and his perspective on everything mm-hmm. in a very similar environment, but yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't that level of satire and, and parody in this film.
1: Nope. But there were a lot of funny jokes. This movie centered very, very heavily around family and you know even being amidst on a street you have your neighbors and and this small family of four sort of considers their neighbors like family as well Mm -hmm. I think they live next door or something to the grandma and grandpa
0: yeah I'm not sure exactly what that
1: it was very unclear yeah (laughs) That might have been intentional, I think, because oftentimes when you're young, you sort of just see your grandparents and you're like, yeah, they're always around, sort of. <laughs> like, they're okay. They
0: fade in and out of existence yeah. <laughs> whenever they're
1: needed. But yeah, then they really do sell that family chemistry very well. And I think that's, it's also really telling of the Irish culture and community. People in Ireland really value family and community in that way. Reminded me of like... That joke about the pubs being <laughs> all over was really funny.
0: If the Irish don't leave where will the rest of the world get their pubs something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of very profound wisdom spoken from a lot of the characters in this film um usually centering around kindness and uh, you know how we should treat the human race and other other people that were around mm-hmm. regardless of skin color or religion or yeah or any anything that could get in the way. And so that was a very beautiful sentiment, I thought. And yeah. uh, even dealing with themes of life and death and the, like the grandfather, for example, saying the line of I'm not going anywhere that you can't find me, you know, both to his son and then his grandson, I thought it was just this beautiful. <laughs> it's so it's it's like one of those things that are simply profound and profoundly simple. Mm But, you know, that just like, you don't really need to say much more than that. Um, And then he dies like in a scene later. So a lot of really beautiful wisdom, I think, exists in this movie. I do think it could be nominated. It definitely has that sort of mass Academy Award appeal, I think. Absolutely. I feel like it could be nominated for a number of things, especially if we're in a place where movies like Promising Young Women are being nominated and Green Book. I definitely think this could be nominated because it it does check all the boxes
0: 2020 was a rough year
1: so I think it, it does have that sort of overall like this is a film that that uh, people may adore my own personal take on Belfast is that it was fine I definitely enjoyed myself I enjoyed the stay I laughed I sort of cried like like my eyes got a little bit watery in certain parts because there's a lot of touching moments um and I'm a sucker for stories told through the the lens in the eyes of a youth you know E.T. is like one of my favorite movies and it's because you know Spielberg you know directed that movie from the perspective of the kids so I love when movies do that and uh it allows me for a time to escape and reconnect with the... The child inside you. The child in myself. Yes, Gabe. So, but I enjoyed this film. I would definitely give it like a B, B plus. I do think that the one thing that was actually hindering this movie from being even more of a spectacle is just the budget. I wasn't actually a huge fan of the sound mix. Mm. It also could have been the theater that we were in, but I felt that it was a little bit strange at times. But, you know, lovely characters... It was written really well, so hats off to the writing and directing, to Kenneth Brana. You killed it, bruh. Branagh. You killed it, bruv. Yeah, he's great.
0: I think this was another home run for him. I would rate it probably even a little bit higher, somewhere in the A range. I uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it both for its story and for its filmmaking, I guess, its technical achievements. Yeah. Um, Its proficiency at whatever that budget was. I, I loved the environments. It was just a magical experience and I, you know, years from now, I don't know if I'll, like, I'm probably not going to watch this one again Yeah. just because there's so much happening. And for, for me to like go back out there and really commit a movie to memory, it's got to like really reach down, reach inside and profoundly stir Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. But for that time we spent in the theater, it was, it was really great. Mm -hmm. So I would absolutely recommend it to everybody.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, you could recommend this to everyone. I'm going to sell my mom on it somehow. And like Gabe said, if you go to the theater, you will be feeling the feels. I'm glad you mentioned the conflict because I think that is like the
0: takeaway for me from this movie. I mean, especially now. human. I mean, humans have always been most apparently identified by their conflict. But uh, I think it's great that Kenneth made this film now for whether it's religion or politics for people to move past that. Mm-hmm. I think Belfast is a beautiful story to inspire people to uh, get over that. (laughs) Yeah. Because it it really just puts into perspective what's important, and those things are not important. But what's important is family and friends and living life, spending that time well, rather than feeding off of the conflict. Mm -hmm. Like that other character who played opposite Jamie Dornan. Colin Morgan is the actor's name. Well, that's that. Glad we didn't do the whole thing in accents. Bell. Faster. Speaking of Taika Waititi. What? He said speaking of... No, I heard you, but what about uh-oh. him? Oh. <laughs> Did you hear he was rumored to steer the new project, the INCAL? Yes. That is a comic series that was developed by Jodorowsky, who was originally supposed to make his Dune film in the 70s, pre-Lynch. And he worked on that film for 10 years. There's an incredible documentary called Jodorowsky's Dune, made a few years ago about it. But that work eventually fell through. That's where the incal came from. And so now some of that work will see the light of day, potentially. Taika Waititi has a lot of projects in the pipeline, some of which will probably not come to fruition. But if the incal happens, it'll be pretty interesting.